I'm here with John Bentley, who is a uh, freelancer here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so um, he's been doing this for many, many years, I think, if I can say that correctly. More than, you know, I've known. Um, so first off, how did you get your start? Well, uh, Jordan, you asked a very interesting question. Uh, gosh, you know, here's what I'm going to make the long story short rather than the short story long. A long story. But, uh, <laughs> it is. <laughs> long story. Um, actually, believe it or not, uh, somewhere around 77, 1977, uh, 78, 79, that area, me and my parents decided to uh, – we, we watched Jim and Tammy, the PTL club. Anyway, so we wound up moving to Charlotte, North Carolina – and uh, went to school there. Uh, it was my sophomore year of high school. And uh, one thing led to another. And uh, some of us were uh, invited to the studio. Uh, Jim and Tammy had a studio. And I remember sitting in the audience, just a young kid, probably 16, 17 years old, seeing the cameras go across the floor. And I said, you know what? That looks fun. All the TV cameras and and the music and uh, and I thought, man, that'd be something I'd like to do. It just interested me, you know, the TV part. So that's that's kind of where I got my start. Just just hanging out, uh, you know. Oh, well, they call it on the job training. Yeah, you know, that's kind of where I got started. Basically, as a grunt, as a stagehand. Mm-hmm. You know, just uh, doing whatever they asked us to do at the time, you know, to paint the sets and uh, clean up, you know, and and uh, uh, that's that's where I got my start. Yeah. So so basically involved in a kind of a Christian television aspect, pretty much. Yeah. Right yeah. yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, there it was definitely, definitely a Christian atmosphere and. If anybody knows about Jim and Tammy or know about Heritage USA, at the time, it was state-of-the-art. I mean, we had uh, RCA cameras and, uh, you know, all the latest and greatest, you know, uh, cameras. And, uh, you know, the studio was brand new that they built and um, lighting, you know, and a lot of a lot of um, talent came through there. Uh, BB and CC Winan. That's where they got their start at PTO. Uh, so they would be on the show. They'd be singing. A lot of famous, uh, famous people came through PTO. A lot of, a lot of great talent, musicians, music, and then, and the thing at the time in those early years, uh, what's so great about it is a lot of young people came there. A lot of students because they had a, they had a uh, college for a while. And so they'd bring in students, and um, and so the summers were awesome because you know there was a lot to do at Heritage USA, but there was a lot of production to do, and uh, so um, I had a short stint as a stagehand, and being young and dumb, uh, I didn't work out too well. I had I had some issues, so I got fired and rehired like three years later in the lighting department. And, uh, so, um, um, the pay wasn't good back then either. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot has changed now these days yeah. with pay and everything. <laughs> it was, it was, it was not too good. And, uh, you know, those were hard times back with, uh, we had, I had a couple of roommates living together and we were all trying to penny pinch, you know? to make ends meet, but, uh, that's kind of where it got started. That's where things started at PTL. No, that was North Carolina. So the PTL thing worked out for a few years. And if everybody knows, uh, most people, you know, un- unfortunately it's been so many years now, Tammy Faye did come out. Uh, there's a new recent Tammy Faye movie. I've heard is really good. I'd love to go see it sometime. It's supposed to be good. Um, it's, uh, Actually, I think Elton John is going to do a uh, a um, New York. Uh, they got some music they're putting together to have a Broadway musical of Tammy Faye because she was popular 
you know. Um, but what I was going to say back then in the Christian ministry thing, that was a big deal. PTO was a lot of families visited there during the summer and uh, vacationed and uh, came down to North Carolina. It was almost like a, seriously, it was almost like a little Disney because there were things to do and, and, you know, friends, my friends worked there and it was a place to be. But if everybody knows the story, Jim ended up going to prison. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A little bad financing, a little bad, some of the things that were being done behind the scenes and things caused kind of some issues. So that was the downfall. The layoffs came and, uh, in 1986, I got laid off. Um, I, bizarre as it sounds, I quickly hit the freelance market in Charlotte and picked up some work at a PBS affiliate, um, working, there for a while and then i was an offered a job with cbn uh, christian broadcasting network interviewed me for a job in virginia beach and uh they brought me on as well i was supposed to be their lighting guy so i worked at cbn that was really interesting because i felt like when i moved there um there again uh the pay was terrible It was, <laughs> the pay was terrible back then. I think I was making between five to seven dollars an hour. Wow! You know, and of course, yeah. this was this was in the this was in the '80s. You know, and uh, this is barely livable to to live on that kind of money. It was it was tough. But uh, so Virginia Beach, I moved to Virginia. Virginia Beach, I'm there for a year, and Pat Robertson decides to run for president. I couldn't believe he decided to do that. Well, he decides to do that, and all the donations for the ministry just suddenly froze. Like, what's going on with Pat running for president? People had their own opinion about it, and I get caught and get laid off. <laughs> so, and, and the career was going good. I, I, I actually enjoyed it. Um, one thing we did do at CBN that offered a lot of uh, interesting uh, work on a CBS after school special. Uh, CBN was hired to shoot and produce uh, several ab- a- after school specials because they had they had the facility, the TV trucks, the film trucks to do it. And so um, I got a lot of good experience uh, working on a on 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 a film set. A movie set. I actually never really had had that experience before being out there, you know, being a dolly gripped, uh, best boy, gaffer. Those are the film terms for a lighting director is a gaffer, um, and lighting assistant or grip is is usually you're you're on the set, and you're setting up C stands and flags, and and uh, it's credit, it's fun. It's, it's, it's a challenge, you know, and, uh, uh, I really enjoyed doing it. It was a blast. It was a lot of hard work back then. I don't know why, why that stands out, but you know, the ballasts and the lighting and all that stuff and how to set up C stands and shot bags and, you know, getting your hands dirty. I I feel like, um, even just with the equipment from your time, it's, a lot different than it was was a lot different than now, you know, with the, with the ability of led lighting and the fixtures that we use today, I think it's, um, it just, it feels different because I've seen the, the old lighting truck, you know, when the lighting trucks come out with big HMI lights and stuff like that compared to, Oh, we just led. We just plug into a wall outlet right now, you know? <laughs> Oh, like any kind of EG shoot, any kind of shit you had to do outside or anywhere, you had to have enough power and generator to go with it. You know, I think that's why I have back problems to this day. Yeah. I mean, I re- I remember, and, and of course, you know, being young and dumb back then, 16, 17, 18, 20s, even in my early 18, 19, 20, we were big to impress one another when we were young and teenagers, you know, throwing four aught on a on the back of a pickup and picking up ballast and look at me, look guys, I can carry this 2k up a scaffold, you know, yeah. you know, and 
we just did dumb things and hours the hours were absolutely crazy um i got a story for you so in uh somewhere around 83 84 dale mock was one of my good friends that i work with at uh at ptl our production manager came to us and says hey guys guess what we gotta go go to matthew's equipment and they're in new york we gotta get a bunch of light stands and bring them back and we're like why do we gotta drive up there well because they can't deliver them here they're, you know anyway well me and dale actually got in a step van oh by the way they wanted them back within 24 hours huh. <laughs> Okay, guys, here's 200 bucks and go go to New York. Go get the stands and come back to set them up tomorrow. Yeah. We're like, oh, yeah, right. Uh, sure. You know, some things just weren't thought out. They weren't planned. Yeah. You know, now nowadays they would have Amazoned them to us or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's FedEx and stuff like that. Even like the, the airline deliveries, you can easily put on like American Airlines cargo, Southwest cargo and get it get it there the next morning yeah and for whatever reason they had it in their mind that we were supposed to drive up there so we get there right when the about to close and and uh dale jumps out and starts directing me to back up and i run over a mailbox oh no (laughs) and it was a nightmare going down you know new york and downtown matthews uh where where the equipment place was we got there loaded them loaded the stands up and started driving back. We both got tired. We're like, we can't drive straight through. So we had a stop. I think Dale even, I think we even ran out of money. And my friend Dale had to go cash a check. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we finally got a motel over the night and told him, we're sorry, we'll be late. And uh, we got the stands back to North Carolina but it was like a day late and yeah. uh, we, we made it in time for the production, but it was, it was a nightmare back then. I mean, compared to nowadays, um, no one would have, been, are you kidding? We're not going to send two guys up there and drive all the way up there and come back and no safety protocol and no sleep and no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now even for commercial drivers, they have roles that you have to, you know, you know, you can, only be on the road like 10 hours or something or eight to 10 yeah. hours. And you have to have a eight hour break in between. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was not even thought of. It was like, Hey guys, go get the stance and bring them back. And we're like, okay. And here's a, you know, back then it was like, seriously, it was a paltry amount of money. Like here's a hundred bucks. That should cover gas. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're like, <laughs> gas, food and everything else. <laughs> but anyway, that's, I digress, but those, those were hard times back then. Those were, those were sort of tough times financially. Um, I enjoyed what I did, but, uh, it was also, uh, it it was tough. It was, you know, it wasn't quite as easy as it is today in some regards. I wound up in Texas. Um, a good friend of mine told me about a guy. And somehow I got always get wound up working for TV preachers. <laughs> I don't know. Why. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. But somewhere around I worked for NBC in Charlotte. I moved after CBN, I I moved back to Charlotte. I got a job at Channel 36. Remember when I said the pay wasn't good? Mm-hmm. I think I was making $6 an hour, and that was pretty good to work for a TV station news station in in charlotte but i made more money delivering pizzas than i did at the tv station yeah (laughs) you know and so um a good friend of mine called me and he said hey john i'm in dallas it looks like they might be looking for some camera operators uh, you think you might be interested in getting an interview? And I said, you know what? I might. I'm a... So I had to come out here anyway. Good friend of mine, Todd Barnett, invited me out to Texas, came to, to his wedding and stuff. I was married at the time. And uh, I got an interview with his boss. And it was with 
of course, another TV preacher, <laughs> Robert Tilton, hmm. word of faith. And, uh, I never forget going and getting an interview and feeling good about it, feeling right. And, and, uh, I had a figure in my mind, you know, and, and I just said, you know what, if this is meant to be, it's going to be the right amount. Well, I, I drove back home. They called me up. Human HR called me and they said, Mr. Bentley, what does 30,000 sound like for you a year? And I almost hit the floor. <laughs> I mean, in 1989, yeah. 30,000 a year was like a million to me. Yeah. I mean, 30,000 a year. I was like, you're kidding me. Are you, that's 500 a week. Oh my gosh, I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> so we loaded up the, uh, Loaded up the van, the, the, the moving truck, and moved to uh, Texas. I've been here ever since, since 1989. And uh, once again, it never fails. I always get with some sort of organization like this. And we, if you guys probably don't know, but Robert Tilton was a minister for a while. He got his hand stuck in the cookie jar. Another situation. So I got let go. And uh, hit the freelance market in 1993. And I've been freelancing from 1993 to 2022. Uh, and uh, haven't looked back. Haven't looked, haven't, uh, there's been a few situations people have asked about full time for me, but um, I've managed to last this many years as a freelancer in the Dallas market. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. I mean, I, f I feel the same way. Like, you know, my start has always been in the church. You know, I started uh, as an intern at a church, you know, doing uh, just tape blogging and did some editing, then going on to directing and camera and then moving my way up to, you know, doing uh, Christian broadcasting. Um, it's, it's a different feel and, and I've been full time, you know, in the past, but I'm a freelancer now and I've, I feel like I, I don't want to go back to a full time job. You know, there's some perks of it, you know, like with the benefits and healthcare and retirement. But I think as freelancers, you can also get that as well. If you, you got to just plan ahead and set that stuff aside and maybe we can talk about that later, but definitely um, because that's, that's, you know, you as a as a freelancer yourself you, you you've had the experience of you know setting money aside for retirement and everything so i think that would be beneficial for even some of the young freelancers out there that are listening to this that how can you know cuz it's not automatically set aside like on a full-time job all your taxes are taken out all your you know your retirement your you know healthcare medicare whatever is all taken out but freelancing, we don't we don't set that. Sometimes we don't set that aside, and then it's going to bite us in the butt, like you know, at the come April fifteenth or something like that. So, I feel like you know, some word advice from an actual freelancer that's been doing this for a while can be beneficial for um for like uh, the listeners out there and stuff like that. Um, so do you have like any any advice about that? How to how how do you usually do your taxes? Do you do it just like quarterly or do you just lump sum it at the end of the year and just pay it? Yeah, I do do it quarterly. And and Jordan, you, you, you touched on some really good things there. I, I'm fortunate I have a wife that uh, is pretty good about budgets. When we first started out, uh, when we first got married, that was over 25 years, about 25 years ago. Is You know, um, long story, I, I had some financial issues. Um, uh, had gone through a divorce, some personal situations, and uh, since been remarried. But it was a financial nightmare. And when I first started freelancing and going, you know, I, not everyone goes through divorces, but I did, and that was that was crappy. Um, and I'm going to just be honest, I got behind. I got behind on my my IRS. Uh, about three years behind. And that when you have the IRS breathing down your neck, it really puts you on a, uh, you know, it was a lot of stress, you know. Uh, and uh, so back then I went ahead and hired a tax attorney 
and it was the smartest thing I ever did. I got with a tax attorney and he kind of went through everything and goes, Mr. Bentley, you're just going to have to give me a nice deposit and we'll take care of this for you. And they had to go through paperwork and this and that and the other, and then basically ended up paying pennies on the dollar of what I owed. But one bit of advice he told me, he says, John, just don't get behind, you know, stay, stay current with your, 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 your tax payments and your, your filing of your taxes. Uh, and that stuck with me because um, it was a wake up call when I, when you know the IRS, it's, there's the interest in all that. Just, there's no way, there was no catching up for me. And they wiped the slate clean, basically. They wiped it clean for me. And, uh, and uh, I only owed 1%, which was incredible. Uh, my tax attorney got that for me. But since then, I, every check I get, I take at least 20% out. Mm-hmm. 20 to 25% and put it in a, in a savings account. So you, know. you have a savings account the specific for IRS? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I do. And I actually do that for um, my mortgage because uh, we, we actually pay our taxes. We don't have escrow. We just pay our, we write a check to uh, every year. It's the city of <laughs> Dallas or, or the school district. And uh, we just, I have all that money just set aside in a savings account that we do not touch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I'll be honest, that has taken the stress off. Because right now, um, it's September. And quite honestly, uh, the 15th of September, there's a quarterly payment due. And mm-hmm. so I just can write a check for X amount. Uh, generally, my, I, I have a CPA. Uh, everyone's different, but I feel confident having a CPA that really helps me itemize and and work with me on my my uh, my my taxes to get things correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's been my struggle for the past few years is getting um, finding. Uh, I think CPAs are beneficial for people like us uh, that to help us with our taxes because sometimes we just don't have the the time to do it to um figure out all that work i, I use like quickbooks to do most all my um my ta- my separation of business and all my receipts anytime i like you know i'm on the road or something like that i'm for business and i take a picture of the receipt and stuff like that for anything i purchase um I think it's very beneficial for that. I think it's just my biggest struggle is just I haven't been paying quarterlies. And so it's like all of a sudden April 15th comes around and then I have to do the installment plan. And this year it was $18,000. So I'm just, Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So come, come Man. here, you know, here probably oh the next few gosh. days, here in the next few days, I'm going to be uh, writing, you know, depositing another lump sum oh amount gosh. to the IRS, you know, and Oh, so it's, it's well. That tells me that's a good thing. Yeah, You're making a lot of money. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> it, it, yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's just. I was sitting there, like going, like, man, it's like when you get that, uh, how much you owe on that April fifteenth date, whatever. You're like sitting there, like, holy cow, how am I going to do this? You know, it's like it'd be best for me to do what you're doing. Just take twenty percent out, like every paycheck. Yep. Just take you know twenty percent out, put it in another savings account, and. Now that that be your IRS and you pay it quarterly. That makes more sense yeah. than anything else. Yeah, and you know, I know uh, some folks even, you know, 2020, 2019 there were some issues financially with everyone. Yeah. You know, and and you know, we had a kind of cut back and so I didn't owe and this and that uh as much and stuff. But I don't like being caught off guard. Um and I've been there, Jordan. I I man, trust me. Um it's not fun knowing you know compound interest and you got someone in the irs i guess they just hired what eighty-seven thousand IRS yeah. agents. Yeah. you know it makes me a little i've never been audited i've never been audited so you know knock on wood um but that fear factor for me i i try to stay aggressive uh with payments and uh in fact i think more recently, we even had some little note that we, 
I don't know what happened, but I saw an IRS note come in and it said we owed, I don't know, say it was 650 bucks or something. Yeah. I wrote the check that day and said, yeah. I'm not going to mess around. I want to get this paid for. Yeah. So are are you uh LLC or are you just basically a sole proprietorship? A sole proprietor. And, and I don't know about you. My friends that are LLC have they're saving money on their taxes. Yeah. And that's the smart thing to do yeah. to be LLC, you know? Yeah. And I, my, I have a CPA this year that basically said, yeah, it's like, you need to get the, with what you're making, you become LLC S corp and that would help you tremendously yes. on taxes. Yes. Yes. And, and the only thing that I shied away with that, uh, it's not, I don't think it's any more complicated, but, uh, I just, you know, I think it was a little more involved being LLC with your taxes. I think. Yeah. Um, I shied away from it. I, 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 I out of laziness, out of pure laziness. But my CPA at the time said, "John, you know, you would, this would be very much in your favor because you won't be paying all that tax. Self-employment tax is what you'll be saving yeah. money on." Yeah. I've heard also the good things about being an LLC. For instance, if you have equipment that you use, um, I've heard from wedding photographers and videographers that if someone were to come sue you for something, they can't go after your personal stuff if you're LLC because they'll just go after your your company possessions. Uh, so, but if you're not, if you're just basically just self-employed, you know, sole yourself, you know they can actually come off your personal assets as well because it's all of one. So that's why they, I've heard that it's also best to, if you are, if you say for instance, I'm a jib op, but I don't own a jib. But if you were to own a jib yourself, I think it's best to have that under your LLC. That way, if something were to happen, God forbid, you know, a lawsuit or something like that, they're not coming after your personal assets. They're just coming off your business assets. I would totally, I would totally go that route. In fact, I still consider it. I've been lazy about doing it. I have several friends that have done it, and and I don't think there's any negative part to it. Uh, I I I would probably highly recommend it. You know, yeah. it, when you sit here and go, "Wow, I could save," let's say, let's just say conservatively, you could save ten grand a year yeah. on taxes. Well, man, that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's still a lot. Yeah, and so it's never too late. You know, it's never too mm-hmm. late to sign up for that. Now, do you like um, for for instance retirement stuff that like that? Do you do you have a uh, a retirement fund that you invest into? I was sort of uh, here's it, it, yes and no. Uh, I, I was sort of fortunate. Um, both PTO. And CBN had had a retirement. They had uh, at the time they had a matching matching funds, and of course at the time I had financial problems. So no sooner had got money into it that I actually had a cash sum out. So, um, but believe it or not, um, there's a client of mine um, that actually has. I have a Fidelity account. It's a matching fund. Um, and it, I, I contribute to it out of my, I, I contribute 10% out of my mm-hmm. every paycheck when I work for them and I contribute, I can still contribute, you know, I can still, uh, with fidelity online, you can contribute to however much you want after that. But I will say this, um, I'm nowhere, I, where I'm 59 uh, and I'm nowhere near where I need to be as far as um, where I need to be to, to retire right now. I'm, I'm off uh, the, considerably. And part of the reason it's not an excuse is I paid probably well, 18 years of child support. And uh, that really cut into my retirement. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, so um I'm catching up. I got some catching up to do, but you know what? At least I have something. And we also have an emergency savings account. Mm-hmm. Um, that has really helped us um, with COVID and, and, and different times. 
And I'm not going to say, I, I would never sit here and say that, but I will say this, if hard times come, we're, we're okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We, we can pay our bills, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, we may have to eat groceries at home and stop going out to eat as much and not buy as many things as we would like, but we'll, we'll make it okay. You know? Yeah. I, I pretty much have the same thing as well. Have a, uh, I, I try to follow the, the Dave Ramsey principles yeah. of having a emergency, emergency fund three to six times your, your, your living. Um, I believe that, you know, he says three to six months, but I think for us freelancers yeah. that we need to do roughly six months. You know, oh yeah, because that's for just full time employees. I think three time three times could easily be you know three months could be easily done, but for us freelancers, six months you know especially like when the pandemic hit and COVID and stuff like that, oh. you know it's just one of those things that we were you know our our life's depending on corporate shows and AV work and for a good solid four or five months it was a, a complete standstill a little bit you know there's maybe some church gigs that we're able to pick up on for, you know, cause they were like, Oh, we've never done web streaming. We didn't know we had to do this and we can't have audience people, you know, church congregation inside our building. So how can we do this? Let's, let's hire some professional people that can do cameras and stuff like that. And, you know, can handle that. But it took a while for that to, to roll in because even then, you know, you couldn't have a staff in the church. So um, I believe that for freelancers, we should have, Roughly about six to ten months of emergency fund. Um, that's me personally, um, but everybody, everybody's completely different. Um, no, I, I I firmly believe it, and and really to be honest, if if you can afford not to have a car payment or or not to have a house payment, mm-hmm. uh, you know those things, uh, you know really make a, or a low house payment or whatever you want to take. Uh, you know, we're um, I would say. We're pretty much debt free. Naturally, we have we well, we have a we do have a mortgage, a small mortgage. But uh, living debt free is a big contributor as a freelancer. So you don't have the stress. Mm-hmm. You got enough stress finding work, let alone yeah. going. Because you know it's hard to say what the next month holds or the next two months and stuff like that. Um, you might have some gigs already booked half you know a few days, but you know. That's just a few days. You're just trying to figure out, okay, what does this next month hold and plan ahead for that. And so that's why having that emergency fund say, oh, if something were to happen, you know, if I don't have that much work for that month, I, I do have enough money in my emergency fund to pull out from. And then the next the following month could be ridiculous, you know, <laughs> could be crazy amount of work and stuff like that coming in. So just preparing for those months, you know, that happen. Well, we used to tease about it, but it was this for us corporate guys. It was a summer slump. Um, we we had well, you know, generally corporate work was not as free. It was not as available in the summer because people went on vacations, and mm-hmm. so you know, and I remember some Julys where I only had five or six days of work in July, and you know, if you have some really good months sock that money away yeah i sock it away i mean i i've i've had some really good months where i'm able to put quite a bit back and that's what i do i i, I you know you guys know you should have a some idea of a budget of what you need to have for the month and when i have when i'm over budget or you know i get a good size check i go man you know what in fact uh, me and my wife have a credit union that we started uh, using, and uh, when we did get a car loan, we went through the credit union, and because uh, we had to buy our, my daughter a car this year, and we got one point nine nine percent for a used That's for nice. a used car, yeah. and we got a we got a small loan. We we put a cash down, but. We have a credit union account too, and that helps because they usually have good interest rates. Yeah, I, I've I've done a credit credit union route also on a when I was in high school and stuff like that. Went a, a credit union route to, for a car purchase and everything. Um, so yeah, it's it's a decent. They have decent uh, rates and stuff like that. And I don't know about you, but if I get a credit card statement and say I got three hundred dollars on it. 
I write, I, I, I don't, I write the balance off every month. I don't, I don't do the small payment. I, $300, I write the $300 yeah. check. It may hurt at first, but yeah. I go, at least I don't have a balance. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been doing that. I, I do have a credit card that I use for business, like when I'm traveling and stuff like that. Um, that's probably something that Dave Ramsey does not advise, but it's, you know, oh, yeah. I, I use it, I get it for miles on an airline and stuff like that. So, but every time it's like I've been paying it off, like the whatever the statement is, I'm like, of course, I make sure that I don't charge over than what I have, you know. So I'm, you know, make little small purchases here. It's like, oh, well, fifteen hundred dollars here. Okay, pay that exactly off, you know, right then and there, oh, pretty much. Yeah. And so yes. that way, it's like I don't have a balance carrying over. Then all of a sudden, you got interest rates kicking in, and then you're it's, it takes once the interest rates kick in, you know, especially on these credit card companies, these banks, that's like twenty four percent, twenty nine percent, depending on your credit, you can, you can, you know, it can really kick in and hurt you. It's like, well, why is it, why does it keep on adding up? And then you're, you're paying the minimum, you know, it it could be $85, but then they're packing on another 45 or so for (laughs) interest. So it, it it helps to, if you do use a credit card, I say, just pay it off, like pay off the, whatever the balance is, you know, even before like it's due, just pay it off, you know, keep it, keep it down. So you don't do interest. I, I know um, financially, you know, if you can't afford to pay for your, you know, believe it or not, there's certain things you really save money on, like car insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say you need to negotiate and you get, you have a car and you pay 600 a year or 800 a year. Well, sometimes they'll give you a discount if you pay the amount in full. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had that happen where they go, well, gee, if you're going to pay it in full, we'll save you you know, hundred dollars yeah. a month. Uh, so we, we, we have a lot of bills where we just pay yearly. Uh, if you can afford to do it yearly, um, you know, uh, that's what we do if yeah. we can. Sometimes what I struggle with, and I've, you've probably, I've mentioned it to you and stuff like that. Um, especially on a previous podcast I did is oh, yeah. how do you, for me, like sometimes, you, you get this mindset into you that you might not be doing good or somebody might oh, not yeah. be, you know, you're like, ah, it's like, am I really doing good on jib? <laughs> you know, am I, it's like, could I have done better? Cause like I'll be doing a move or something like that. And I might bump like, when I'm live, I might actually catch it or something like that wrong. And it kind of jumps a little bit. And then I just start feeling down. It's like, man, I suck. <laughs> it's like, why is this? Like, they're not going to call me back on here. It's like, how can, how can, you know, you've been doing this for years. How can you break that mindset? I mean, do you still have that, those thoughts sometimes? You know, actually I don't. It's funny you brought that up. Um, you know, I lack self-confidence anyway. I, I'm just, you know, I'm being honest. I, I'm, I'm somewhat insecure. Okay. I'm just going to be honest. Um, it, I don't know why I've always been somewhat insecure, but one thing I'm not insecure about is my professionalism and i'm just not i'm, I'm not going to be shy about it i'm damn good at what i do and the reason i say that i don't don't mince words is when i have you know i could throw out some names of clients that actually ask for me to be on the show you know i've been on walmart shareholders for 15 years i work with michael dell in the studio um and when i have you know, when you're in a situation where you're a little up against the gun, that's when your professionalism shines. And I think sometimes people think professionalism means being in focus and being on on time. And those are good things. But really, to be honest, it's your attitude. Mm-hmm. People are more interested in your attitude. If you are the best camera guy in the world and you're hard to get along with or you're difficult or you're you, you know you're grumpy or if you got a big ego i mean and i wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings but i'll tell you what you go out on a sports shoot those sports guys can make you feel like crap in an instant you know they're all about some some, some people carry their 
ego out, you know, and, and I've seen those people mess up and, and <laughs> I've seen it happen. But what I'm trying to say is I feel confident about what I do. I feel I'm very good at what I do. Um, now, if someone would can't come to me and go, Hey, John, you're out of focus or you, I try to be humble enough to go, Oh man, sorry, bro. Or, you know, but, and, and there are occasions I'm wrong and I lean on other freelancers to tell me, you know, um, you know, Hey, if there's something not right, but for the most part, I really don't, um, I don't feel that so much. Um, and it's not an ego thing. It's not like I'm walking around and I'm the best camera guy in the world, but there is something to it at my age. Um, I think I've been there, done that. Yeah. There been there, done that. I pretty much, there's not something I don't feel confident about, you know? So it, it's within reason. Uh, if someone would say, Hey John, can you go run low first for, the Rangers, I would go, you know what? I probably could, but you know what? I don't think I want to put myself in that situation. One thing I sometimes recognize with younger folks sometimes, uh, and I'm not putting it down. It, it's good to be aggressive and it's good to be good at what you do. But what a lot of times I see sometimes happening is sometimes I see fake it till you make it. Yeah. A little o overconfident. And I almost like some, willing I, to almost like willing to do anything and everything just to get their name out. You hit the nail on the head. And there was a scenario, a sports friend told me about someone that showed up and thought they could really do it. And the problem is with those failures, when you fail in front of your peers, people remember it. Okay. I had a failure 15 years ago on a sports uh, football game. I made a mistake. And guess what? I heard that for 10 years. No one ever let me, hit, no one, guys, especially guys, they'll never let you live it down. If you make a mistake, oh, remember when Bentley missed the, yeah, they'll talk about that for years. And, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of, it's sometimes kind of irritating. But to rise out of that, and become good and not let that bother you is is even better but i have learned never fake it till you make it yeah. don't don't do that yeah. it's it's I, I i don't care if you need the work or not but it once people know that you've made a big mistake and they hear about it it's like it unfortunately it's like wildfire you know it can ruin your career if you're not careful yeah It'd be almost like if I were asked to go, you know, be a camera op for golf and be the one that follows the ball in the sky, you know, it's like, it's like, have you ever done camera for it? Yes. Have you ever done golf? No. And I, no, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to screw it up for a, little, a live shot or whatever. And, and, and you know what? You, you're, you're smart enough to know when, you know, we know what shows and things we feel confident on to go and say yes music put me on and any music situation live for long lines i don't care i'll do it i feel confident uh you know i shot lacrosse one time for espn and guess what none of the guys had run camera for lacrosse hmm. because it was a new sport and so we all sat down with the director and watched literally sat down right before the game and watched a couple of uh, lacrosse games. And we made, we kind of, we, we got through the first uh, game and, and did quite well. The second game we did great because we finally got our head in the game and knew which cameras would follow, which one's tight, which one was game, which one was handheld. And, you know, if there's something you don't know, I, Dude, I have no problem sitting down and watch a football game, <laughs> see, yeah. you know, or watch something that you know you, you you could really watch and see what camera's doing what. Yeah, I think that's what sometimes helps is like when I've done uh, certain events, like just kind of get a refresher in my head of I'll, I'll YouTube something or Google it and see like what how it was done the last event and try to look for the the camera shots. Like, okay, this is what that camera person did last time i mean it's different for corporate shows corporate shows are just corporate shows 
but for like a live sporting event or because um, one time I I did record uh kind of did a live stream for a high school lacrosse down in Houston and but I was like the only camera it was just like one camera <laughs> it's really done so cheap but it was like you know had a guy doing the uh, commenting on the side and I had to turn his mic down on my camera when he w- didn't want to talk then bring it back up and just fall into the play of action with one camera. But I, I prepared myself by just watching previous games and see how the game is done. And it, and it helps you doing that, you know, helps you following uh, how the, the lacrosse game is and stuff like that, what the calls would be. Oh, if it goes out of bounds or something like that, they're going to bring it to this point. So that's, it's kind of helpful for that, for me to just, to kind of prep yourself before you go into an event. Well, I was asked to, this very weekend, Labor Day weekend, I, I was asked to do Texas Tech football for ESPN. And, you know, I actually could have done it. And uh, they they were going to fly me out yesterday, set up today, game day tomorrow, and fly home. And I actually gave it to somebody that I knew needed the work. And, and, and it's not trying to be, hey, wow, John, you're so – no, it's just that those things are a little out of my comfort zone. If you don't do it every day and follow football and follow along and go out and shoot with the guys, it can be a tip and very intimidating, mm-hmm. very intimidating. If you don't, and especially if you don't know the plays or you don't know the coach or you don't know the players or there's a long list of things you need to know before going. Um, and, and everybody has a different, you know, some guys really like sports and I'm not a big sports guy. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of, yeah, take it or leave it. But yeah. Yeah. I, I occasionally do high school football here in Dallas Fort Worth and, you know, I'm the sideline camera and it helps to, to know where, cause you know, if, if you stick a new person down there, they could actually get in the way. You know, there's there's certain restrictions on the football field where you can go and where you can't go, and sometimes the officials will correct you and stuff like that. Say, oh, you can't stand there; you need to be behind this line or behind this thing. But it helps when you do it multiple times that you know that you know where the proper place to stand. And the same thing with kind of any sport out there, you know, with soccer or golf. You know, golfers. You know, golf. I feel like golf camera ops are a special breed. You know, (laughs) they're one of a kind. That that's the only thing they pretty much do is golf. Because it requires you to follow a small golf ball in the sky, and you're zooming in on it pretty close, pretty uh, pretty close in, and then you're basically you know falling until it hits the green or something like that, and then zooming in as it's rolling towards the hole or something like that. So I think it's a a special breed of people to do golf cameras. Yeah, I remember being on. Uh, I used to shoot college basketball, uh, and I never forget being. Uh, handheld underneath the net and so in college basketball is a little more forgiving they'll let you actually sit in a chair like a roll around chair where you can sit underneath the basket so you can shoot the players you know on each end coming towards you as they're making their layup or whatever and you also got the layup shot when the guys that you know getting ready to do the uh free throw or whatever and uh but I do remember getting run into by a basketball player and it knocked the camera out of my, literally off my shoulder and I caught it. So while I'm picking up my camera off the ground, <laughs> I pick it up and I throw on my headset and I look and I see, I see myself because they're playing a replay and our camera guy just got knocked over. <laughs> they they like <laughs> so that. I made it. Yeah. So. <laughs> it, it seems like, it seems like any instant, even with like baseball, you see like uh, the bat hit a camera lens and they're easily like quickly do the replay on that. Say, so Oh, look at this, this baseball pit hit this camera lens and they show the angle from the actual camera and the get glass shattering. It's yeah. The, the news guy, the, the, the directors, TV directors like to highlight those parts. Yeah. Or that were behind so, the scenes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy, but you know what? It, it I don't know. You, you know, it's a lot of, it's a definitely a learning curve. So besides all the, the sports talks and stuff like that, um, what about work ethic? What, what, what would you suggest for work ethic? You know, 
showing up on time, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, there's, it's so funny. We have, a, a, I'm sure you know this as well as I do, but we showing up early is, is always the thing is, is, you know, early is late with some people. And so I like to be, and you know, I'm not always the best about it, but I like to get there 10 to 15 minutes before the crew call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people come wandering in, you know, eight fifteen or nine safe. But the thing is being aggressive, being there on time, being there a little early. Uh, I think, I think shows, shows something being late or running behind or something. Uh, a lot of times crewers really don't, they don't like that at all, you know, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, the thing is, uh, yes, you are a camera operator or you're a audio guy or lighting or whatever, but you know what? It's all about teamwork. And there's some situations you come into, you may not just walk in and run camera right that moment. You might have to lay carpet. <laughs> I've done that before. Hey, John, now that you're here, we can lay the carpet or you might have to set up downstage monitors. Or you might have to run, help lighting run a cable or two. You know what? I don't care. If I have to help a team member or if there's someone that needs a hand, I think that speaks volumes. You know, Um, a lot of people talk about unions and all that stuff. Well, Dallas is a right to work state. Texas is a right to work state. You know, um, usually there's departments on corporate shows and you stay with video or lighting or audio you don't usually cross those lines but there's an occasion where hey when it comes time to load the truck or push the truck it's all hands yeah everybody's in charge of you know even if you get if the the client books stage hands to help with uh loadout and stuff like that it's like the quicker we get done with with this the quicker we get out you know on the loadout so let's all push the truck oh and that's you just you just mentioned a very important thing, like you just said. That's the whole thing. You know, the quicker we get it all out and all hands on deck, we'll be walking. We'll all walk together. We're we're out yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think that's why it's you know, and I'm the same way. I like to I like to try to plan to be about ten minutes ahead of the crew call. There's some there's some places I work at that you know they wanted a seven a.m. crew call. And they wanted you on headsets ready to go at 7 a.m. So that you had to plan ahead to, you know, be walking through the door like at 6.50 or 6.55 to walk to your, your camera location, be on headset at 7 a.m. So they're like, okay, camera assist, fax our cameras real quick, test them out, and like doing roll call at 7 a.m. exactly. You know, so I think it's important. You also just like, if you do a lot of commuting to work, um, just planning for traffic that the, the accidents that may happen, you know, the, the storms that, that come in the morning and stuff like that. There's been here in Dallas, Fort Worth, it's been raining a lot. And of course people here in Dallas, you know, they, they start to slow down when it's raining, especially when it start to pond up on the road that they just, that they drive slower than normal, you know, normally like on a nice sunny day, you know, I'll be going 70 down the highway just to get to work. But now that there's rain ponding up on the roadway, I'm going about 60 or 55. So you got to plan ahead and have, give more time so you're not late because you don't want to, you really don't want to be texting your boss or something like that. Say, hey, I'm running like 20 minutes late when they could be ready to film something, you know, 30 past the hour or 30 past your crew call. So it's just, you know, planning ahead for things like that. Yeah, and and also I, I would go along with saying is dress code too. I mean, you have to talk to the crewers, but a lot of shows we work, they want you to be dressed in black, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so yeah, I try to I try to wear nice black clothes if I can, especially if I know I'm in a situation where it's a corporate client, and you know my 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 shirt's tucked in and my you know that sort of thing and. I've uh, run into some situations that the client in certain situations really, really have a hard time if they see camera people on their cell phones. Yeah. Um, I've been uh, actually a couple of situations where they're like, well, the clients mentioned that they've seen a lot of crew on their cell phones and it's kind of distracting when they see someone on their phone when they're supposed to be having a tally light on and, I try not to be in the habit of doing that. You know, I, I am guilty. 
I'm not going to say we all don't get a text now and then, but, you know, put them on silent, put them in your phone, put them in your pocket if you can. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's another thing that, you know, usually I'm really proactive on myself to not be on my phone when I'm on camera and stuff like that. Um, I'll wait until I get backstage or even go to the restroom break. But when I'm like on camera, it's on silent and I'm not on it, you know, especially like when I'm doing church events and like I'm up front, you know, we're in front of the congregation and everything. I, I really make it a habit not to be on my phone uh, because you're in front of people, you're in front of, you know, audience and congregation and stuff like that. And the same thing with corporate shows. It's just like dressing right. Um, not wearing it's different. Sometimes it's different for load in. I've, I've been on load in yeah. where they basically is like shorts are okay for load in, you know? Uh, but, uh, for actual show days, you want you know, black slacks and a polo, a black polo shirt, or if the company provides you with their company logo polo shirt, they want that as well. But on load-in days, it's a little bit more relaxing. Or even on load-out nights. After the show, some people will bring yep. clothes to change into. So they'll just go to the bathroom and put on shorts to make it easier to go around. Because we don't want to, like, you know, tear up or rip up or black pants that we wear for show days. So we'd rather just wear shorts around and stuff like that. So it's basically coming prepared for, you know, days like that um, where you um, are prepared for anything that might happen because sometimes you might load in the morning and then rehearsals that evening and you want to be dressed for those, those evening rehearsals. No. And, and I don't know about you uh, along those same lines is I'm sure everyone carries a backpack. There's something about having a pocket knife and a multi-tool yeah. with you and a Sharpie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, those three things, it, it, I tell you, I don't know how many times where uh, you, know, you have to cut rope or you got to put a screw on a tripod, you know, even carry a quarter in your pocket if you want to. But having a tool, having a Sharpie, having having a few things that, you know, in your toolkit to carry with you. Boy, I tell you what, that comes in handy. No, it definitely does. Um, and most of the time that you can actually allowed to bring it in a, a backpack for just stuff like that. Um, I know jib ops, we like to carry different tools just for the jib to make any kind of type of correctional change on the jib itself. We'll have the right tool with us. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, having the Gerber or Leatherman tool or something like that, that's a versatile tool to have with you. Um, a pocket knife or something like that. Uh, yeah. Sharpie is great things to have. Uh, so even even like the the sharpie pins, you know, something that you can easily write down and information and stuff like that. Because there's constantly all the time people are always asking, "Hey, do you have a pen?" But you don't want to be that guy that goes up to me, "Hey, can I borrow your sharpie?" You know, you rather have your sharpie yourself with you at all times. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. I tell you what, it just those little things that you have in your backpack, and and and, and as silly as it sounds, I still carry like you know, some sort of snack in my bag. Mm-hmm. It never fails to be on a show. And well, guys, we're not going to lunch till three o'clock. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're on camera, but carrying a snack or having some something in your bag along with your, you, you, you know, your tools and stuff. Yeah. Hey man, at least I'm covered. At least I have something with me. Even like a, even like a little, a water bottle or water, you know, a water container oh, yeah. stuff. Cause you know, oh, yeah. you could be running, a, a show or something like that depending i'm saying depending on the 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 room's rules the client rules stuff like that if you're allowed to have it because there's some yep. places that you know they don't allow like certain types of drinks on the you know around the cameras around the equipment and stuff like that a lot of times bottled water is acceptable but you know if you're if you're you know running camera for a long time for a couple hours your mouth's going to get dry a little bit so at least you have the bottled water near you that you can easily access and quench that thirst yeah Definitely. Well, I just want to count it up and tell you, Jordan. I've been with Jordan, been working with Jordan for gosh, it seems probably twenty years. Don't probably you think? So. Yeah. Would you say twenty? I'd say. I'm. I've always been impressed with Jordan. He's he's a hard worker. He's very good at what he does, and I loved for him to be on a show with me because um, he's always. The thing about I like about Jordan, he's always comes up with a solution. 
<laughs> you know, it's always a solution. And it'll go, hey, I'm going to go try this, or I'm going to fix this, or I'm going to, you know, and, and that's what I appreciate about Jordan. And, and, you know, the thing is, yeah, so what? He's younger. That doesn't matter to me. You know, the younger generation has a lot to contribute. Yeah. And it, I, I'm a firm believer we need the new kids on the block, the new the, the kids out of school and stuff. And, of course, Jordan's not a kid. I'm just saying I love it when there's a young guy out there that really offers me a learning, a learning experience. Like, gee, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, man. It's like, uh, yeah, it's very – you know, good to hear that and stuff like that. Cause you know, I enjoy yeah, working with true. you on the different shows and yeah. stuff like that. Cause yeah. I think, you know, even work with you, you teach me a lot of stuff that, you know, that I don't, you know, that I'm not hundred percent sure about stuff like that. You know, there's been numerous times I, I text you about, you know, Oh, how much should I charge for this? And you know, stuff like that. Cause I, you know, I'm always curious. And I, and that's another important thing. Also, I'll add on a quick note. It's, it's important for all of us freelancers to be working together, but keeping that, that rate around the same area. We don't, we shouldn't be underbidding just to get the job. We should all be matching ourselves because you're actually hurt, hurting the industry by lowering the rate down. So when you say it's like, Oh no, $200 is basically good for a full day rate when you come out of college because yeah, $200 does sound like good when you're coming out of college, but no, it, it's hurting the industry and altogether. You speak, you speak volumes with that. And that's so true. And you know, uh, especially, when you get somewhat older and Hey, if I'm going to be honest, I got 40 years of experience. You know, the truth of the matter is we always decide where, how we want to get paid, et cetera. But sometimes, sometimes people will ask us, what's your day rate? And you always got to take in considerations, uh, you know, inflation and different things. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, you have to adjust your rate accordingly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, when cost of living goes up generally around the nation and around your state and your city, uh, even when full-time uh, businesses or businesses are, are giving their full-time employees raises, it's like we, we ourselves got to give ourselves a, a bump up at our rate to, com to compete with the rising cost of living because we can't all, you know, what was, you know, back in the nineties, maybe at $400 a day, is not what four hundred dollars a day can barely you know it's not good compared to what today is. Oh, um, totally. Yeah, so it's like we got to totally. And, and and for the younger generation out there, it's like you know don't be afraid to ask some of us that've been here for a while. It's like, hey, what would be a good rate for this? What would be a good rate to charge for this and that? You know that way that we're not bringing down the the uh, the industry by lowering the rate down too much. Because you know, that's, that's I think that's the one biggest thing is like I've I've had clients are like I told them my rate like well I can get so and so for another day it's like yeah but with me for my rate you're getting what I have to offer which is all this year's experience of doing this and I am a hard worker and stuff like that I was like you you see me on other events work and how much I can give for that amount of rate and that's what you're getting. Well, I like to use this this as a as a I try to raise my rate fifty dollars a day every year. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, every six months. Yeah. Um, you know, I have one client in particular that they ask for a budget. And there's times where I've raised my rate within six months yeah. because, you know, money's money goes up. You know, I like to talk to them first and not just throw it at them, but they'll say, what's your budget for this year? And can you give me an idea what your rate is? And I'll say, well, I'm planning on doing OK. Well, that still works within our budget. Yeah, you know, you, you can be polite about it. You yeah, don't have to be rude. But <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely. You, you know, I'll say one other thing. There's a good community of freelancers in Dallas. Uh, there's probably two fifty to three hundred freelance camera guys. And I tell you what, one thing that there is is we do have a good group of guys. One thing I hear from clients, and this is from out of town. These are out of town clients: New York, California, Florida. They will all agree that Dallas is a very, very lucrative market and that the reason they like this market is because the freelancers are hard workers. Yeah, I hear that all the time. The freelancers are willing to stick it out. 
Uh, I remember being on a show one year and, and me and the camera guys were striking monitors and pulling cable and putting all, all things away. And the project manager came up and he goes, you know, you're the only crew, camera crew I have seen in the past few states that will stay and help strike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he goes, had I known, uh, I, he, he said, normally our camera guys have already left. <laughs> it says a right to work state. <laughs> yeah. He says, but they're throwing out a compliment. You yeah. know, just the, the, the Dallas people just love the Texas guys really like to work hard. Yeah. And, and that's good for good for us and everything out there. Because yeah. I know that we're all big one, big community and stuff like that. So I think it's really helpful for, you know, for other clients to be hearing that and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think we'll wrap it up. You know, I think it's been a very informable, you know, past hour or so. So I think we're good to go. And thanks for being on my podcast. And, you know, at some point we'll, you know, reconnect again, bring you back on for some more informative talk and stuff like that. Cut like, cut like, cut like, like a